step right up, it's nailed. A halo by halo journey through the music of Nine Inch Nails. I'm Blake. I'm Jessica. And this is With Teeth, part two. Disc A, side two, if you're following along on your vinyl. If my voice sounds deeper and sexier this time, I'm still getting over that cold. You really like to drag these sicknesses out. <laughs> yeah, I chose. Sorry that I chose to drag the sickness out, and that it's a long, a long recovery. Like everyone who's ever had a cold in the history of the world, it takes like two weeks or more to get the phlegm out of your system. What? Nothing. Good grief! But yeah, we got three more songs for you. One of them's a single. So really, we have like two point five. We're gonna. Dive deeper into two of them with clips and everything, and then every day is exactly the same, gets its own Halo episode down the line. Do you want to dive into some Nine Inch News? Yes. So everything is in the news today. We only have one little news item. Sorry. What? <laughs> My nose got all itchy suddenly. Okay. Someone must be thinking about me. Is that what that means? I don't know. What? I can't remember if it's like if your nose itches or if your ear itches. <laughs> if your ears burn. Ears burn? Then someone's talking about you. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the news. All that I really have is that it's the 24th birthday of, of the, fragile, the Fragile. Which makes me feel so unbelievably old. Yeah. It's the 24-ish years of... Almost 24 years of me being into this band. That's what that means. And then I was thinking next year will be the 30th anniversary of the Downward Spiral. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Shit. Yeah, that's insane. <sighs> yeah. I don't want to think about it anymore. But, yeah, happy birthday to the fragile. Happy birthday. You, the older you get, the, the better you, you get. sound. <laughs> what? The older you get, the paler you get. Isn't that a lyric from Love Is Not Enough? <laughs> exactly. That's an exact lyric. Okay. Mm -hmm. I thought I was right. Mm -hmm. But yes, you get better every year. The fragile here's looking at you. Mm -hmm. One of our uh, listeners and patron, I think, posted an HBD and talked about how they were 12 years old when this album came out and they happily ran to the mall to get it. And I was thinking... Wow. 12 years old, you're so cool. Whenever I was yeah. 12, I was listening to like Ace of Bass and yeah, same. Salt and Pepper. The coolest thing I liked was probably TLC. <laughs> Janet Jackson. Actually, Janet Jackson rules, so. Yeah, she's she's good. So does Ace of Bass, though. Well, at least one album. Their debut, if anyone's wondering. It's kind of hard to talk about The Fragile because it spent a year of my life uh, dissecting it. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm still in my recovery period. But one day I'll go back to it, I'm sure. Okay. I went back to it recently. Oh, how was it? It's, I need, it's good. I, need to, <laughs> I mean, it's still great. <laughs> I need to do a like side-by-side -side listen with, with teeth to compare. Before we start like a, a new era, I go back and I re-listen to all the albums. Oh, before that's a good it. idea. Maybe. I should be doing that. Instead, I'm just kind of listening to stuff out of order. Anyway, that's all. Anyway, okay. So, today, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about drums. This should be your time to shine, Blake. Drums. I, 
I can shine a little bit. I played, played the drums. So I know a little. Why? Well, I just thought we'd <laughs> talk about uh, the live drums on this Nine Inch Nails album. Yeah, it's the live drummiest album they've ever done, mm-hmm. ever would do, by far. Yep. So when Reznor was writing the songs that would make up with Teeth, he had in the back of his mind an idea that a live drummer was going to play on these tracks. And so he wanted to actually record drums this time. So Atticus Ross and James Brown. (laughs) Not that James Brown. I always write LOL after his name. They had to track live drums against the new material. And there were some challenges with that. One is because the songs were still demos. The drum tracks had to be recorded in a way that would yield the most flexibility when it came to mixing. I got all this from a magazine. I'd have I'm no lo- idea what this is I believe is I'm looking about. at the, ar- the same article. <laughs> okay. Um, and then they had to find a way to make the drum tracks sit correctly against the other, mm. against the other more rigidly programmed elements of each song without losing that mm-hmm. human feeling. Yeah. And I saw the part where, or I read the part where Atticus talks about that. Were you going to talk about that? No, I was going to let you talk about it because I got kind of bored reading through yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I was fascinated. Well, I'm sure you were. I have. N- it was like reading something in a different language. I had no idea what he was talking about. Should I talk about it now? Yeah, go for it. Let me see what Atticus said. Atticus said, to my ear, the drums on this record have maintained the performance aspect. It just depends how you want to approach it. Obviously, I'm not going to let a drum track go with 100 flams against a drum machine. Now that is jargon, mm-hmm. meaning... How do you spell that word? F-L-A-M, flam. Okay. I was just making sure. That means they don't sync up. So the beat should just go like... Bah. <laughs> <laughs> boom. But instead you get boom, boom. Because the performer is not exactly in sync with the drum machine or whatever other sequenced electronic element is in there. Mm-hmm. And it's called a flam when you get a ba-ba. Not right at the same time. Okay. And it gets that slightly off feeling that is not, sometimes that's desirable. But when you have like the downbeat, the this big kick or something, you don't want it off. This is why uh, purest feeling sounds amateurish in some parts. Mm-hmm. Because they're playing a live drummer against a lot of sequenced elements and there are a bunch of flams on that record um this a lot more care was taken obviously they can go in and um pro tools a lot of stuff with uh with teeth where they couldn't on the purest feeling sessions Um, but i'll continue with what atticus was saying and he describes how they kind of fix certain things one of the problems with pro tools is that people have started to make music with their eyes that's interesting because I was I was taught never mix with your eyes, meaning mix based on what you see on the computer screen. Mm-hmm. But I do a lot. I'm so visual. I do a lot with my eyes. It's just how I am. Um, and I line lots of things up visually, but I don't know. That's just that's just me. But I, kn- I know what he's saying. Your Your ears are supposed to be the most important thing. He says, we're obviously not going to have flams or something that's going to make the song sound bad. But there's a good example on the line begins to blur, and that's Grohl, just really a live take of him. Now we've got some pretty heavy programmed drums in there as well. 
There's an element of tightening up certain kick drums or whatever, but what there isn't is a methodical 16th note edit. There is a way to use Beat Detective, that is a function of Pro Tools, where you can keep the swing of the drums. Beat Detective all depends on the trigger points you use. Now I just tend to use the two and four as the trigger points, or maybe it's the downbeat kick and snare drum. You want those to be in time, but the swing of the drummer is what happens between those notes. I think that that's really smart. Atticus knows what he's doing um, and has for a long time, clearly. But you want the kicks and the snares to hit um, right on time, but the little drummer expressions in between there, hi-hat hits, toms, whatever else, I think that can be a little more freeform. You don't have to... Beat Detective is a thing that detects every... <laughs> it detects every beat. Can you believe that? Every hit, and you can adjust them. You can make them more on time, move them back and forth. If you move things around too dramatically, it, you get computer artifacts, and it sounds digital and weird and wrong. But give a light touch to it, and um, it sounds good. I think the results they got were good. For me, I can sort of tell it was messed with a little bit, but not in any way that has bad artifacts uh, or that sounds bad. It, the, end, the end result mix of live drummer and programmed elements sounds good to me uh, for most of this stuff. But yeah, that's, that's what Atticus said about the drums in that article. Um, this is from I think it's Re Remix, Remix mm -hmm. magazine, by the way. Yeah. And then I have some information from Mulder, too. Yeah. According to Mulder, they only had three days to record the drums yeah. for the whole album. I mean, it's not that many songs, but still, it seems kind of short. It does seem kind of short. I'm wondering why they were so pressed for time. I guess just studio booking and scheduling yeah. since they had Dave. And, and Reznor said that he self-imposed a, a short time true. frame for the entire record. So. Yeah. So Mulder said, in that situation, you had to get a drum sound that was a good drum sound and versatile. In an ideal situation, you tailor the drum sound for each track a little bit. Maybe move the room mics around or maybe change the snares a bit, tweak it for each song. But they didn't really have the luxury of time for that. So James Brown, LOL, <laughs> who recorded it, just got a good all-around sound that kind of worked for every track. I would have certainly wanted to spend a bit more time, especially with the ambience. The ambience probably meaning like the room mics, mm -hmm. mics that are far away and get reverb and stuff. If you're in the same room with the same setup, not changing it, you, you're going to get the same ambience every time. Obviously, it's not going to vary that much from song to song. But what they probably did was set up lots of microphone options and just had tons of mics on the, the same drum kit in the same room. And for some tracks, you could use some mics, other tracks use other mics, depending on the sound you want, hmm. how close or far you want it to sound, how much. Yeah. And he said um, once they got to mixing, it was actually very flexible and it did work. So Probably because there's so many mics. <laughs> probably so. But let's talk about the actual drummers. Yes. Uh, Jerome Dillon. Mm-hmm. But there's a big name about to toss mm -hmm. out here, and that's Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl, the most... The drummer who's drummed for the most bands other than Josh Fleece. <laughs> I was reading through his book, Storyteller, mm -hmm. and I was kind of disappointed because there wasn't really much information about working on this album yeah, at all. Yeah, she was just skimming for this. Yeah, I was. I bought the whole book just for that. Uh, I mean, I'll read it. There were some fun, funny stories as I was kind of going mm. through it about like his young 
his youthful days. Mm-hmm. And there's a funny little story I'll tell, but it's told better in this issue of Hollywood Reporter, I think, <laughs> than it was in the book. But but yeah, there was nothing in the book really about working on this album. But he did say, and I did not know this. Because it was only three days. <laughs> True. <laughs> he, probably, he probably forgot it. Probably. Actually, he didn't. He, he remembers it very well, and I have a clip to that effect later. Yeah. But one of the things I learned is that he's the musician who's – he has been on SNL more <laughs> than any other musician. Other than G.E. Smith. <laughs> well, we're not going to count G.E. Smith in the Saturday Night Live band. Okay, yeah. So other than them, yeah, I believe it. I'm, I can't name all the bands off the top of my head, but I could imagine. Yeah, I think he said – I can't remember how many times he's been on SNL. Were Nirvana on there? Yes. They were on the same episode as Charles Barkley. Oh, right. How that was a real – okay. That? No, that's a classic clip. Mm-hmm. Foo Fighters, obviously. May, he might have drummed with Queens of the Stone Age or something on there. Maybe. I don't know if they've been on SNL. Maybe they have. Um, he guest drummed for some other musicians oh, like yeah. Tom Petty maybe. Oh, yeah. He famously guests for everybody. Mm-hmm. Even so. um, Joe Walsh. For that tribute show. Oh, okay. I was about to say. The benefit show. Yeah, that's right. Um, this is a good place to talk about how pissed I am that at that Joe Walsh benefit show, Nine Inch Nails played. Grohl uh, stepped in to drum. He drummed for Joe Walsh, right? He wasn't, or was he drumming for, or maybe it was both, for Black Keys? I don't think he drummed for okay. Black Keys. My memory is clearly fading of the show. but I don't remember though. Um, it's all b- running together. He we'll didn't, just say he drummed for every band but Nine Inch he was, Nails yeah, on that Yeah, That's pretty what much. We're that is say. pretty much the case. He could have stepped out and reunited with Nine Inch Nails, and but it didn't happen. He was right there. Yeah. Come on. They I could have done, I don't know, getting smaller or some shit. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a big deal, though, that, I mean, Grohl drummed on this album, but it was also just like live drumming in general. You know, yeah. um, I remember getting pretty excited that Dave Grohl, a guy, a name I knew, was was going to be on here, and I, I was already—I mean, obviously, I, I knew Foo Fighters, but I had recently heard the Queens of the Stone Age stuff that I really liked his drumming on. Mm-hmm. So that's a I good was album. Like, okay, this is cool. Yeah, it's a great album. But uh, because it was Dave Grohl, it was brought up a lot in several different interviews that Reznor did mm-hmm. around. The promotion period for with teeth so i want to read some of these well hold on first i want to play a little clip and this is Reznor being interviewed on that mtv interview i like to go back to a lot a very useful interview that proved to be <laughs> you also work with dave Grohl on this record tell me uh you know did you were you friends before how, when was the first time you guys met uh, I met Dave on a tour we did in um, uh, Australia. We were on some something together, big day out, and I'd seen him occasionally, you know. But and we were acquaintances, and I always seemed like a really nice guy. But when I was recording this record, you know, um, I had my drummer Jerome Dillon play on about half of it, and then. Um, there were some things where I just kept saying, you know, kind of a Dave Grohl type drumming, Dave, and I finally caught myself saying it. And I thought, why don't I just call Dave Grohl and see if he'd do it? And we did, and he could. And a few days later, we were in the studio, and it really, really was a great, great experience. You know, he brings not only is he a really nice guy, and he, but as a musician, he brought an understanding to the material where I could 
play him a demo. Okay, let's do it. Walks in the room and knows what to add. You know, he really had a real musical kind of feel for what was happening. And I have nothing but good things to say about that, you know, and made a friend in the process. So I'm going to read some of the stuff, and it might repeat some of the information you just heard. I tried to mm-hmm. get rid of it. But uh, in an interview with Kareng, he said, I wanted someone to just pound the shit out of the drums. <laughs> I felt like program drums were a bit tired, a little done. I thought of Dave, called him up, and he was here the next day. Before I knew it, I had rough versions of the songs with him drumming over them. Girl instantly knew what I was looking for. He's not some old buddy of mine, but we clicked instantly. And he was one of the first people to hear the new music, and it was a super kick in the ass. This is why I wanted to read it. Okay. <laughs> okay, hold on. Because there's always a critical juncture in the making of a record when you're unsure you haven't built your castle upon a turd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking good. <laughs> that's, that's, it's a beautiful one most, yeah, that's one of the most Reznor things you could say. <laughs> That, I think that's a re, uh, rejected lyric from Hurt. <laughs> you can have my castle of turds. <laughs> you can have it all. My castle built on a turd. <laughs> okay, sorry. But Johnny Cash changed it. I can't believe Johnny Cash. In uh, Revolver, he talked about how he could never really have called Dave before. Um, like on previous, you know... Recording. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, yeah, the thing is I couldn't have done that before. I think to myself, okay, I've got to call him up, and then I'll have to meet him in the studio and play him the tracks. Then I'll have to teach him the parts, and then I'll have to tell him if he's playing something wrong and explain how I need it done. Fuck it. I'll just program that shit myself. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he just talked about how it was like a really pleasant experience working with them and how it kind of even changed the whole sound of the album, the sound of like – the live drumming juxtaposed with like the piano that kind of runs throughout this album. Yeah. Like it's a real kind of stark. It's one of the, that's like the biggest diff. That's why this album sounds so different Yeah, from everything else. It can be really jarring sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes it's just really, I mean the piano that runs through this album, like all the different parts are, it's probably my favorite thing about the album actually is that yeah, it, it does have really so much good. piano. It's um, really cool parts. Yeah. I think that there are some really beautiful parts in this album. Kind of glad for how it shaped the sound, I guess. And Reznor left those parts in. To me, I'm still undecided on whether the live rock band sound of it all was a plus or a negative. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, it sounds really good um, just on its own merit, but taking it as a whole, I don't know. That'll be something to reflect on at the end. But it is telling that Trent never went back to that. The whole attitude of fuck it, I'll just program it is because I'm a drummer. I'm also, I've also been a recordist. I guess still am recording and mixing drums and playing them and setting them up as a Royal fucking pain in the ass. (laughs) It's the worst. And I love the instrument and I'm a drummer and I'd rather program drums. (laughs) Like at this point in my life, I've set up and I've mic'd enough drum kits and mixed enough just fuck it, dude. <laughs> like, if we're going to beat correct this later anyway, why not just, I don't know, why not just fake drums all the way, un- unashamedly? Could fake drums really replicate 
that sound that Reznor wanted? I mean, no, yeah. they're, they're never going to replace a real human player. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, so he was just really craving that that live sound. But I mean, I like fake drums, so <laughs> it works for me and it's, it's easier. Yeah. But I've done both ways. So the only, the last thing I have to say about Gruel, and I'm sure we'll come back to him several times as we talk about the songs yeah. tonight. And he does two out of three tonight, by the way. Jerome Dillon actually gets to play on one. Oh, no, fuck. No, I was wrong. Gold does one of these three. Love is Not Enough mm-hmm. is programmed. Mm. Um, and With Teeth is Jerome. Yeah. But it's not as simple as that, and I have more on that later. Okay. I do want to read this little piece from The Hollywood Reporter that was published in, like, 2011. And it's Grohl talking about meeting Reznor and being contacted um, by him later to record on this album. But it's kind of long. And it's kind of the same story he tells in, in his book. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that in the book, he kind of goes off on different tangents. So yeah. it's this okay. is more put together than it was in his book. So he said, I think I met Trent for the first time in the summer of 1992. Nirvana wasn't working, so I spent the summer at my good friend's house in the San Fernando Valley, sleeping on his floor and going surfing every day. His house had no air conditioning, so every day the sweltering valley heat would wake us up and force us out to the beach. My good friend Brian made it his mission to find a different swimming pool every day for us to crash. Apartment complexes, people's backyards, it didn't matter. If you had a pool and Brian kind of knew you, we were in your pool all day. Those types of guys. One day, Brian called and said, guess where we're swimming today? The fucking house where Sharon Tate was murdered by oh, the Manson God. family. Wait, that house had a pool? Yes. I guess I shouldn't be shocked. It had a little pool. It's not like it was like some huge Olympic-sized pool well, or yeah, something. We all freaked out, didn't ask too many questions, grabbed our towels, and split. Once we arrived, I noticed some studio gear in the living room. That same living room that you've seen photos of a thousand times. I recognized it immediately. I couldn't believe I was actually standing there. And then someone told me it was Nine Inch Nails. They were making their new record in this house, in that room. And it was a masterpiece. Years later, I was at home when I got a call from my manager, John Silva. He said, your buddy Trent Reznor is looking for you. Can I give him your email? Sure, I said. I hadn't seen or talked to Trent in years. To be honest, we were never really that close. Just casual acquaintances, maybe do a festival together every now and then. Of course, I had enormous respect for him as an artist and producer. I just didn't know him as a person. I checked my email a few hours later and found a message from Trent. He was in the process of making a new Nine Inch Nails record and had been recording live drums. He asked if I would be interested in playing on the album, and the hair on my neck immediately stood up. By the way, as I was flipping through the book, I noticed that this happens a lot to Dave Grohl. The hair on his neck is constantly standing up, or he's constantly getting chills up and down his spine. So, what, who is he, R.L. Stein, with these <laughs> literary devices? Um, I actually got the chills. See, <laughs> just from reading the sentence, I ran down the hall and said to my wife, "Guess what? I think I'm going to play drums on a Nine Inch Nails record." I was so blown away. I mean, who wouldn't get the chills if you got an email that was like, "Jessica, will you?" Play kazoo on the next nine inch nine. Kazoo, how dare you, okay, sir? Okay, what clarinet? I don't know. Thank you, clarinet. What? Okay, will you sing on the next? Oh, no one would record? ever ask me to sing on a record. Well, I'd get chills even if it was kazoo. <laughs> maybe, maybe xylophone. 
Mm. That'd be cool. Anyway. Trent likes to play all his own xylophone parts, okay. so I doubt you'd be asked. I immediately called Trent. We chatted for a few minutes. He explained what he was up to, and of course, I accepted his invitation. He asked when I could start. I said, tonight. <laughs> Grohl is super excited. We booked my favorite studio in the Valley, Sound City, for a few days, then moved over to another studio, Grandmaster, to finish out the session. Originally, he only wanted me to play on maybe five or six songs. We knocked out three or four the first day. Everyone was really excited, and at one point he came to me and said, Hey, I don't want you to feel like I'm taking advantage, but I have a few more songs that might sound good with your drums. I think we ended up recording 10 or 12 tracks. But the funny thing was, he would say, Okay, check this out. It's a rough idea. I'm not so sure about it, but take a listen. And it would be the most incredible piece of music I'd ever heard. <laughs> Fucking mind-blowing shit. His standards are so much higher than anyone else's. He does not settle for or accept anything that isn't amazing. To me, working with him in the studio was such a great experience because his understanding and knowledge of recording music is so deep. He can do everyone else's job better than they can, so you have to be good. And that pushes you to be great. Rhythmically, he works in very sophisticated patterns without confusing the song. That's an art. Most drummers can't even do that. His sense of arrangement and composition ranges from beautiful linear structure to abstract, and the effect is always the same. He makes incredibly moving music. I think it's safe to say that he is my generation's most talented musician, producer, songwriter. When he won the Academy Award, I was not only happy for him, but I was also happy that someone from my musical generation was being recognized not just as a rock musician, but as a brilliant composer, as an artist. It was well-deserved. And that is nice. cool. That it would be impossible to give higher praise than that, I think. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't imagine higher praise than being called my generation's right. most talented musician, producer, yeah. songwriter. That's pretty much yeah, the uh, superlative. Okay. Do we want to go ahead and start talking about today's tracks? Yeah. The first one is one that uh, doesn't have a live drummer <laughs> on it. It's, you know, it, it kind of sounds like some of it is live drum hits sequenced possibly. Maybe one of the, one of the two guys could have done some of those and, or who knows, I'm not sure. Uh, I can't find anything that said that lists any kind of live drummer for the credits of love is not enough. Hmm. So, According to NI and Wiki, this song was originally called The Clamp, um, I guess according to U.S. Copyright Office. That's so weird. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know how to look that up. Uh, so cool. I mean, not The Clamp Down, that's The Clash. <laughs> yeah, just The Clamp. Whatever that means. Mm. <laughs> Love is Not Enough is, is like the chorus. The Clamp, he, he, he doesn't say The Clamp anywhere in it. Maybe it was just to throw people off. Maybe. So some people say that the title, Love is Not Enough, comes from an episode of Twin Peaks. That would be episode 27, The Path to the Black Lodge. Yeah, this was, and then I went digging and found it. This was very interesting and eerie. and. Okay, I want to hear it because I haven't heard it. I made you look for it because I was like, I don't have time. You find this clip. It would have been cool to like put this clip in the song, I think. But I forgot to load it up, so give me a moment. Okay. Well, while Blake is loading that up, this was also the first song written for With Teeth. We talked on a bonus up last week about um, Bleed Through. And there were several songs, I believe, that were written for that concept. 
But I think that this was actually definitely written after Bleed Through was over. But according to Reznor on NIN Access, this was the first song written for With Teeth. So yeah. It's kind of simple. I mean, I think it's great. But I could see how you could you could bang this one out quickly almost. Okay, I found the clip. Okay. I have to set it up though. And I don't think I've ever seen this episode. I have watched some of Twin Peaks. I just didn't finish it. Was this the second season? Yeah, it's season two. We we watched some of season two, but we didn't uh, get to the end. We didn't make it all the way to the end. <laughs> season two it's is later rough, on. guys. It's it's it just goes weird places, and I was like, "What the hell?" Anyway, Wyndham Earl, the I guess evil FBI agent mm-hmm. who comes in later, is interrogating Garland Briggs, who is the um, military dad mm-hmm. of the one kid. And he's always really serious. Mm-hmm. He's interrogating him. He has him like held hostage, I think. I think he's given him a truth serum, but I'm not certain. So yeah, that's the setup. And the, here's the clip. Your name, please? Garland. Briggs. Garland. What do you fear most in the world? The possibility that love is not enough. And then you hear the song drops. (laughs) Be a cool little intro. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, that is cool. That is kind of creepy too. Yeah, the the uh, the atmospheric the Angelo Bottlementi drone. Yeah. Also, I believe Kerrang asked if this song is about Courtney Love. What? Oh my God! Because Jesus, the title, right? Stupid. It is really dumb. Um, and Reznor said, I would never. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. She doesn't bother me enough to make me write a song that has anything to do with that. <laughs> bad oh, word. Oh, bad no. word. I think he picks that up from hanging up out with all his British friends. That's what I think. You've got Mulder. Uh, you've got- Atticus Ross is probably constantly saying it. Probably. No, Mul- I bet Mulder's more likely to say it. I bet Mulder's got a real potty mouth. But he did, he did do a song sort of about her already <laughs> kind of sort of with star fuckers mm-hmm. and amongst well amongst a crowd of other people but she was in the video she was mocked in the video yeah but anyway in a way i didn't really care for but anyway um yeah yeah none of us did so do you want to <laughs> do you want to go ahead and play the song yeah let's listen to love is not enough Love this beat. Do you? What if I was like, no, I hate it. Those big toms. Dirty bass guitar once again. All these songs, I feel like these three songs have the least synthesizer of any group. There's a little bit in this song, just those little bleeps. Some of the dirtiest guitars on the album. I feel like every day is exactly the same It does, it has a big fat bass scent. Of synthesizer. (laughs) 
love that guitar tone. But as far as that um, one single note stuff that he talked about early on, like no chords, I want single notes. That kind of tracks to my ear, that's what this guitar part sounds like. I'm not really hearing chords in this song, just, just big, big distorted single notes. Someone asked him later on NIN, on NIN Access if he had stuck with that. And he was like, don't take everything I say so seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that is kind of a good point. Like, no. don't hold me to every little stupid rule. These are some of the better lyrics of the album, maybe, on this song. Big Hey. He likes to do that a lot, starting from this period, maybe. We also have, we can hear some more tambourine in the chorus on this one. This album is almost as tambourine-heavy as it is piano-heavy. And this song is, I've talked about it being a little simple. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, extended outro. Kind of like, um, Collector was. That's like a wah guitar. That tone is insane. I'm not totally sure what that is. He's lip syncing the ooze. Very little. The only synth I heard on this one was the kind of the ping, ping, pingy little thing there. I have a clip of it later, so go ahead. That's it. Three minutes, 40 seconds. Additional lyrics for this song? Just left for dead and all used up. That's it. I like it. It keeps it, keeps it snappy. <laughs> the whole song is snappy, even the unused lyrics. I could hear kind of how that those lyrics make sense in the song. Yeah. If I he were to too. add them. Where the other ones, I'm kind of like, huh? The previous ones we talked about. Is it time for some clips? Let's play some clips. Let's do it. That drum loop. It's not like the Grohl or Dylan drumming. Very sequenced and perfectly on time, but some organicness to it uh, sample wise just the big toms you hear I do like the toms yeah a lot <laughs> that low with thud there wait for it <laughs> I was off <laughs> do you want to hear some vocals uh yes please. I feel like I have long extended vocal clips for everything on this album so you're gonna have to bear with me the more that we take 
the paler we get. I can't remember what it is. They're a bit distorted on this one. We're trying to forget the towel on the floor. So cold it can sting. In your eyes is a place worth remembering. For you to go and take this and smash it apart. I've gone all this fucking way to wind up back at, back at the start. Good anger there at the end. Yeah, in that channel there, some of the noises creep through. That's why you heard the jump scare. But I was saying I like the rhyme scheme of this song better. It's not just the A, 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 A. Yeah. It's an A, B, A, B. Um, until it gets to the course, then it's like A A B B. Yeah, it's A A B B. Speaking of the chorus, hey, the cl- the tambourine and some noise are in the channel in this one. Hey, the closer we think we are, well, it only got us so far. Now you got anything left to show? No, no, I didn't think so. Hey, the sooner we realize we cover ourselves with lies, but underneath we're not so tough. Love is not enough. He really keeps going back to that dry vocals on the verse, adding reverb on the chorus just to make it bigger. But the formula works. Could you hear a sort of high-pitched howling at the end there? Can you play it again? Just the Well, end? I have... Oh, do you have it isolated? Yeah. Okay. It took me a while to kind of hear that that was even in there. It's like the wind howling or something. Spooky. Oh. that tambourine i think there might be a combination of like sequenced tambourine and real tambourine going on in separate channels and then the last vocals you hear (laughs) the breaths so he sounds so vulnerable Yeah, I like that. This is the, I think, the only synthesizer I could find. And some more toms. Oh, those little pinnies. Yeah. I mean, not even sure what the source of that is, honestly. Could be anything. Love that noise going left to right, too. And God knows what that is. Um, Some more Tambo and guitar. And the howl comes. 
comes in halfway through. I already played that howl part, but I figured people would want to hear as much of that guitar line as they could get because it's really cool. Okay, there's like a delay on the vocals in verse two. It never really had a chance. We never really make it through. I never think I believe. I believed I could get better with you. And then the last thing I have, let's see, Dark Tambourine and Trent Hay. That's what I typed. Dark Tambourine? Yeah, there's like a darker version of the tambourine and Trent going, hey. Oh, it has all these weird noises in it. No, love is not enough. He's really shrieking it. That's from toward the end, like right before the high-pitched ooze. Okay, yeah, that's all I all I have for Love is Not Enough. I don't have much more to add about it. It's probably one of the stronger tracks on this album, I think. It's not like my favorite. I agree. But I like it. I probably like it more than... It's definitely one of the better yeah. tracks on the first half of the album. Oh, yeah. So live, it was performed at half of the shows on the With Teeth tour. I wrote that it was the first song played on tour debut show on March 25th, 2005. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's been used as an as an opener. Yeah. And it was played on early performance 2007 tour couple times on the Lights in the Sky tour and did not return again until 2022. Well, I I really wish we would have seen it at our shows, but we didn't. But that would have slapped live. <laughs> it would have been good. But that's all I have for okay. Love is Not Enough. Wow, I feel like we're moving right along. Well, good. <laughs> we're making good time. All right. Next is Every Day is Exactly the Same, right? Yes. I didn't include it in my outline because right. it's going to be its own halo. So I didn't put any of my research in here or anything, but Blake wanted to go ahead and play it. Yeah, we've done this on past episodes. Mm-hmm. Love that little piano opener. We're going to listen through and give our initial responses. So... When I was reading reviews of this album, one of the things I do when I first start researching for an album or an era is I read album reviews. And one of the reviewers talked about, I think it was this, and the piano, opening piano part, mm-hmm. was very similar to the refrain in Closer. Yeah. And they're talking about just how uninspired this album was and Trent's recycling ideas and something like that for that effect i kind of took it as maybe an on-purpose nod yeah to it an 
even like the tone of the piano sounds the same as the begin or as the end piano on uh-huh. closer. Yeah. I I see it more as a nod to. I definitely don't see it as like being lazy and uninspired. I don't no, think that, that Reznor's phoned in stuff on his albums. Like even if I don't necessarily love this album, I don't think it's like phoned in or no, half-assed at it, all. Like no, it's not. It's just very different. Overall, I, I think I really like this song. Not like my favorite song ever, but it's pretty effective. And I love that bass synthesizer. You, you were saying that. You mm-hmm. love it too, right? Yeah. And uh, this was a song I think that really had more emotional resonance for people during the pandemic. Maybe yeah. we weren't experiencing what Reznor was experiencing when he wrote this song. Yeah. But we definitely got a degree of it. Uh, during that time. That's why it was on one of their 2020 t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And there was a while where I wasn't at work where it was just neither or well, we were both at home all the time. And yeah, the routine. Uh, two months kind of just passed and I blinked. Oh, I was still working. I know, you're... <laughs> but two mu- I blinked and two months had passed and I was like, what the hell did we just do other than uh, drink and play Animal Crossing? Blake and I decided that two years of our life, we should get them back. So yeah. we're just going to tell people that we're two years younger than what we are. Yep. So I'm not even 40 yet. I'm 39. Yep. Turn 40 this May. <laughs> yeah, this one has a I mean, very live. This is a grill drummed one. Also includes some manipulation of the percussive stuff but big big rock band drum sound for the most part reviewers also called this like punishing and repetitive and i was thinking isn't that the point of the fucking song i think the chorus is meant to be like sounding like it's like it's a broken record but he i do like that he changes up the third time he doesn't just say it four times the third time he says there's no love here and there's no pain which I think is a pretty good line especially talking about where he is supposedly talking about but it could apply to a lot of things this is like this is my favorite part here I think this is really good this latter half of the bridge a great vocal uh, melody screams himself back into it. That's where it was the, the whole band stops and the slow down tambourine shaking live. I remember this one being on the radio a lot. Not as much as the hand that feeds, but for a little while there, after they stopped playing only. <laughs> of course, this was the single after that. I, I thought it was weird to hear it on the radio. Not, maybe not a lot. I heard it a few times. What alt station did we even have at this time? I can't remember what the station was. Was it Q102 or something? I don't know. It changed so many times. When I was a yep. kid, it was like Channel Z. 
And then Channel Z kind of became like this adult contemporary alternative station, which broke my heart. Fuck Clear Channel. Then all the noises start to come in at the end of that track that lead into the beginning of With Teeth. The title track, so yeah. Is this the is with teeth the track that's going to get us canceled and probably make people hate us? This one, <laughs> this one, uh, I have thoughts on, and I don't, I don't like hot takes as a general rule. I don't really do hot takes. I think they're kind of uh, hot take. This is the worst track number seven the Nine Inch Nails <laughs> album has ever had. Trying to think, is it? Maybe. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at all I the mean, track it's not, sevens. There's no way it's better than all the track seven than is any of the tracks. The becoming sevens. track seven on Downward yes. Spiral. Okay. Um, Sin. Mm. Just like you imagined. What's seven on the right side? Um, complication. But I have a take. I don't know that I'd want to call it a hot take. It's more of a long, rambling thing about drums and rhythm and beat and rhythmic displacement but go for it no you go you go with what you want to no say no you uh, you mean just do the basics that i usually yeah. do really there's not a lot to talk about like i can't i couldn't find a lot about some of these songs even the notes from Nintern on our spreadsheet that we share mm-hmm. were just jerome gets to play on a track yeah so yes jerome is doing the live drums on this song i thought it was Grohl. You did think it was Grohl, but probably because of this clip you're going to play in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Should I play the clip? Yeah, play the clip. So this kind of gets into the idea of rhythmic displacement, where which is the phenomenon when you can't find where the, quote, correct downbeat is, and your, your mind uh, thinks it's somewhere other than where... Trent Reznor thought it was. Mm-hmm. Can you explain one. what a downbeat is just for people who maybe A downbeat, don't know. like let's say we're just in regular 4-4 four, four time, mm-hmm. just one, two, three, four. Each of those, you can consider each of those a downbeat mm-hmm. rather than say like one and two and three and four and the ands would be an upbeat. Okay. And the, the one is the, the downbeat that Grohl's going to be talking about. Okay. And which is very important to find in this song. And what I could never find and why I couldn't hear this song correctly until recently. And I'm going to, I might blow some minds with uh, some of the manipulations I've done here. <laughs> um, I know some people thought it was, including myself, thought it was one way for many years. Mm-hmm. And Grohl, according to this clip, thought it was that way too. But it wasn't. Reznor just came up with a really weird off-kilter beat where the snare is not where you'd predict it to be whatsoever. And it almost sounds like the beat is doing everything in its power to make you lose where the one is. Yeah, it's a really disorienting song. Yeah. So I'll I'll go on to show you. In this TED Talk, I'll go on to show (laughs) you where the one is via something I made later on. If you think it's some, this is where my hot take part comes in, but it's not really a hot take. If you think the one is somewhere else, it's because you've been listening wrong. And I I can say that 
not in an insulting way because I listened wrong since 2005 until just recently. Even today, when we were just listening to it on vinyl, when the song started, I was like, oh, here it goes again. I lost the beat. And it took me hearing some of the the lyrics, some of the vocals set me straight, but it took until almost to the first chorus. And then suddenly my mind snapped and I was like, okay, there it is. Now I can hear it right. I, I was hearing it wrong yet again, even after all this work I've done. And then suddenly it snapped into place and I was like, oh wait, this is like one of those magic eye posters. Which, you, by the way, I've never been able to. Really? Never. So yeah. maybe you're one of the people who, this would be an interesting test. The no, people do who, not test People me. who can't see those, maybe they can't find the beat on With Teeth. But Honestly, I don't even try. What I mean is <laughs> you can look at it and look at it and think you just see all these weird wavy lines. And you're like, yep, that's a picture of weird wavy lines. That's all I see. But it takes, <laughs> something happens, I don't even know what. At some point down the line where it comes into view and you're like, oh, actually, that's what the picture is. That's where the downbeat is. And I think my theory is, and I think there's strong evidence to back this up based on the clip we're going to hear. Trent wanted Grohl to drum on this one, Mm -hmm. but because he could never quite find that downbeat correctly Trent was just like fuck it let's move on to the next thing and then later had Jerome come in who for whatever reason probably because he's good (laughs) found it and could get into the groove so I think this song was originally gonna be Grohl are you saying that Grohl's not good no no not at all sure Grohl's Mm -hmm. great but this this fucking off-kilter beat that he made can trick anyone, even yeah. well, even even Grohl himself said that a lot of drummers can't even come up with beats like or rhythmic right. patterns. It's, that it's why he, that's what he yeah. was talking about. These completely um, uh, non non standard, like uh, yeah, I would have never thought of that. What uh, what the hell it even is this beat? It's like a it's a pattern I've never heard in my life before. But once you kind of once it falls into place, it it's kind of cool. Um, I think I would have just reworked this song, though. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth all that work. But, God, that's not even... That's only like half of what I have to say about this song. But I think we should we should move on. Then maybe I can talk about the other stuff later. Are you going to play the clip from Girl now? Yeah. Okay. You're going to hear snapping a lot. That's not, not us messing around. Dave is snapping in the video to... Um, <laughs> Like he's snapping along with the beat. It's just something he does. This is this was done only a couple years ago, and it's him and a couple other Foo Fighters in the studio, just reminiscing on things. And he briefly reminisces on with Teeth sessions. Um, it's him, Pat Smear, and shit the other guy. Foo Fighters heads will be mad at me, but I'm sorry. Um, I only know the color and the shape. A great fucking album. <laughs> Ran- and still their best selling. Rami Jaffe or Rami. Sorry, I'm dumb. He he's the third guy. Okay. You'll hear all three of them in this clip. It's a really weird thing 
when you can only hear the one in the place that you can hear it. Because that happened to me once when I was playing drums, actually on a Nine Inch Nails record, where uh, Trent was like, okay, here's the song, and he sent me this demo. And I was doing what the dr drums on the demo did. So I would record a drum track, and Trent would say, um, okay, on this one, make sure you hit uh, both crashes on the one. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> What's and the so one? I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> What's that the bass line for? It's with teeth. Well, yeah. Sorry, I it's, it's not a trick question. I was like, is it with teeth? Like, what are you trying to trick me into saying? Girl's not credited on with teeth. Mm -hmm. Dylan is. Mm -hmm. So why is girl talking about playing it? Because he played it first. They didn't go with his takes. <laughs> anyway, continuing. Like that. It'd be like, cool, that was really good, but um, make sure you get the crashes on the one. I'm like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> And then afterwards, he's like, he said, uh, come in. So I come into the control room, and he goes, tell me where you think the one is. Oh. And he hits play, and I was like, da 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 And he and his engineer, dude Atticus, or his other guy that he works with, they looked at each other, they're like, oh. <laughs> how cute. Exactly. Like, that's not the one. I'm like, it's not. Oh. And he started showing me like where it was. And I couldn't get it. I was like, let's not use numbers. Just tell me where you want the fucking crash. That's the way you have to do it. That would be me. It's better just to hear it. Of course, it's music. It's not a math problem. Everybody figures it out their own way. Rami's very wise. I think maybe that is a good way to sum it up. Maybe that's why I have some trouble with this track because I don't want it to be a math problem for my brain. <laughs> but my brain's trying to treat it like a math problem yeah. when I can't find the beat. I just want to listen to music, man. I don't want to do no math. Exactly. That's why we hate math rock. Exactly. This house, we do not listen to math rock. I like some of it. I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> Dillinger escape plan. But as Grohl said, I couldn't get it. And I think that's why they moved on and went with uh, reliable old Jerome. I wonder how much they had to work with Jerome to get him to get it right. Maybe a little bit. Who knows? Or if he got it right away. He could have, his brain could have just seen that magic eye right away, like some people do. Mm -hmm. You know, it couldn't even be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame though. That was a little bit of a snub, right? He put a I, lot. I feel of, like there were. Uh, I know that things did not end well. I know. So, but I feel like he put enough work into the band that he he deserves it. Clauser wasn't either. Hauser was there. He was at, I don't think he was inducted in the Hall of Fame, oh, though, but he okay. was at the reunion. Yeah. Uh, right? It was Elon. It was. That, that's correct. Because I remember the original, inner, the like Skype thing, mm -hmm. Zoom thing. Uh, Clauser wasn't in that. No, it was Brenna. Yeah. But Jerome was in neither. <laughs> so something's not good there. We, yeah. He's apparently salty about it, what I've heard from. Sources. But, is he still salty after all these years? Probably. Well, if he was snubbed. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying he earned it. That's all I'm saying. Just for getting the damn beat. Um, just for getting teeth. that downbeat, he earned <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame status. <laughs> so should we play it and see if you can hear the downbeat? Yeah, I'm not. So it's fine. You, you don't think you're going to hear it? Nope. Or did you even care where it was in the first I place? I kind of don't care. Okay. See, that's a different kind of listener. Mm -hmm. 
there are different kinds of listeners and we all have different ears. I'm the kind of person who, if I don't find that downbeat, I lose my mind and I can't enjoy myself. And that's why I never enjoyed this song <laughs> until recently when I started messing with it, cutting it up, taking out, isolating things, um, and fixing the beat. There's a tribe called Quest Song bugging out that people seem to love, um, I believe from Low End Theory, that I could never like because it has one of those hard to find downbeats. Mm. My brain won't do it. That's what I'm saying. That's the kind of listener I am. I just feel out of sync, out of place. Yeah. But I don't go searching for. I don't like that feeling. I strongly dislike it. Do you feel out of sync, out of place when you listen to With Teeth? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're, you, you hear something. Let's just play that MF. Let's see if we can both locate it right away. And I've been practicing <laughs> a lot lately. Okay. okay. I'm not going to try, so. I think you should try as an experiment for me. No, because I'm not good at that kind of thing. So Okay. I'll try to – you won't see this on – you won't hear it on the podcast. I'll try to gesture maybe. Okay. Okay. Sorry for all that, but I hope you liked my TED Talk. Anyway. I've already lost it. I've lost it. This is another one that is drum, bass, guitar, organic and performs. A few electronic things mixed in. I'll point them out later. The vocals help me find it. I locked in. I just saw the magic eye. I just locked in. Okay. It's a lot more enjoyable when you lock in. She's cringing. She's wincing. She's laughing now. Shadow vowels. As Laura taught us. Wave goodbye. She's waving. Okay, there's like a weird noisy synthy kind of thing there. It's just the beginning of the song that so throws me off so much. It's also kind of repetitive and hypnotic. It's just, it's really just this beat, other than the bridge, which is a like an entirely different world. Yeah.
do like this funky part, kind of a tambourine and a funky guitar come in. I like that. I like the bridge. The bridge is the best part. volume change is so extreme it's almost like we're in a totally different song yeah it, it is like a different song was inserted here and then when it now comes talk back, about sounding vulnerable yeah yeah I got some good clips for that later what do you think about the repetition it is just the one line said about 40 times well I, I think it's just maybe reinforcing his it's, I'm trying to think it, about it to, it's definitely to verbalize about, it it's about drugs and addiction oh definitely but I think it's just kind of reinforcing the fact that he probably could not physically go through that again like he literally yeah. almost died when he OD'd so if he fell back into that, like, it's not just, I mean, it's a physical thing, but also mentally. Jump scare. It's like a noise synth solo here. I think that's what it is. Total freak out. But yeah, that part will blow your head off. But yeah, as far as rep- repetition, I see it as like a affirmation or a okay. something to a that effect. A mantra that you're yes. repeating to yourself again and again while in recovery, possibly. A reminder. I like these kind of whispered vocals here at the end. This is a long song. This is like five and a half minutes. Is this the longest? Thought we determined. Yeah, we already talked about this, I'm sure, but just to. Yeah. Beside You in Time is almost as long. 5:38. This one is 5:38. Beside You in Time is 5:25. Is in fact the longest. It's because that bridge. Yeah, I could do a whole song of just the bridge. <laughs> One other thing, I'm not gonna harp on this too much. Mm-hmm. Just the, this was a song that kind of turned me off of the album as a whole. I just mm. could not get past this song for probably several different reasons. Probably the, the rhythmic, the rhythmic di- displacement. Um, yeah, that, the, that put me off. The shadow vowels. Shadow vowels. Which were so pronounced. I mean. It just for some reason, it was like sometimes still can be depending on my mood, like nails on a chalkboard. I don't know why. I don't know why. I I really don't. For me, it's not like nails on a chalkboard, but it's not like I'm not like oh that's genius. <laughs> it's not like my favorite. I'm more vocal neutral. affectation. No. But what's weird is I can listen to like some of the fall tracks and I don't even notice it. But that's because he does it all the time. So that's probably why. Yeah, but it's also not as. As loudly enunciated yes. as it is here. But also just the 
if we're going to talk lyrics, uh, I really was kind of disappointed that using a... A sexy lady? Uh, yeah, a woman. <laughs> a a sex, temptress. A seductress mm -hmm. to as a metaphor for uh, drug addiction and use. I don't know. It just kind of gets old to... Sweet, sweet lady heroine. <laughs> My favorite lady. Just Cocaine. Have, have, have been, people used to say Cocaine that. Cocaine Del Rey. People... <laughs> Sorry, that Pe came from a, a meme. People used to oh. use that kind of... No, I know. Drugs are always feminine because you know why? Uh, Lady H. Uh, what? Why? Women are bad and evil They're and we baddies. always will be. We're going to tempt you. We're going to seduce you. And Mary Jane. <laughs> Stop. No, I'm just coming up with examples. Yes. But I don't know. That was just kind of disappointing. I think I'm not going to harp on it too much, like I said. But that's just one thing that always stuck out to me about this song and kind of disappointed me about it. But- I should be used to it. I mean. Whatever. Yeah, because we gave Reptile a pass. <laughs> Reptile's well, a little different. I'm not going to compare the two. It is. It, it, it's it's talking about more about a literal person and less about, not about drugs. It's but not, just using a woman as a metaphor for something bad. Yeah. Something that will ruin your life. Something that, I don't know. I just kind of over it. Wasn't it's digging a, on that. It's a rock, an old rock trope, so it's been done. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's lyrics. Well, we should probably we'll wait to talk about this one when we talk about sunspots. But the teaser is, I think without the without the weird beat, if it had a more straightforward beat, it would just be like another sunspots, and maybe that's why they needed to make it stand out so much. Didn't you make a mix? That was yeah okay. Well, uh, I've made a few different things. Okay, I have a mashup of with teeth and sunspots. That's a whole different thing. That'll I'll put that out later, and you will probably hear clips of it in bonus episodes if you got the bonus feed. Um, I did make I made a version for us where I fixed the beat mm -hmm. for those who would like help. Hearing it better, and this helps me as well. Okay. And I have a little clip of what the chorus would sound like without the shadow vowels. <laughs> do you want to go through the real clips first, or do you want to go through the stuff that you have created? Yeah, we'll go. Th we'll go through the Blake's clips corner first. Okay, so drums only. <laughs> okay, so. Damn it. <laughs> some of those noises in there too cool tom work there's like this little electronic metronome too is that annoying to play what that that drum beat would that be annoying to play as a drummer would you i think it would be kind of hard yeah if you got really really used to it and and fell into the groove and could find the downbeat maybe it would be fine, I'm sure. Okay. But it's not what rock drummers are used to. So yeah, like outside of your comfort zone for sure for most drummers. Okay, some vocals. She comes along. She gets inside. 
She makes you better than anything you've tried. It's in her kiss. Sexy. The black sea. And it runs deeper than you dare to dream it could be. I think a lot of people consider this song a little sexy. Those those lyrics are a little sexy. Well, he's using a... Especially the... Singing about a seductress. It's in her kiss. <laughs> that part. <laughs> Whispering it. Okay, the chorus. Oh, cover your ears, Jess. You're not going to mm. like this. With the teeth, with the teeth, the delay too. With the teeth, with the teeth, okay. I won't torture you more with it. My favorite guitar part. I really dig this guitar tone here. Sounds when, like there's jungle animal yeah, noises in there. Yeah, there's weird noises back there. Yeah. But whenever listening to this earlier, uh, I honed in on that little funky guitar. And I thought it was mm-hmm. a banjo, and I feel oh, really dumb. No, I actually thought that too because okay. it sat. It has that tinny tone of a. It's just the way that it's uh, the tone they've dialed in is like a banjo's tone, mm. and just the fact that it sounds really plucky. Yeah. Like. I also thought that. Actually, what if it is? What if it's an electric banjo? I, I'm no guitar expert, obviously. <laughs> For all I fucking know, it could be. I mean, all the weird stringed instruments that were used on the fragile, mm-hmm. nothing is out of the question. And the fact that it's just like kind of plucks Very makes me plucky. think that it's someone who maybe is not experienced with. Or playing it the wrong way as Trent yeah. did with all those instruments on the fragile. But he, I mean, he seems to be making good sounds with it. Whatever it is, someone will have to fill me in. Um, noise synth solo reminds me of kind of in the becoming toward the end when just that explosion of noise synth, there's a solo part in that one. That's what this reminded me of. like bit crushed at the end that was pretty cool <laughs> the final vocals my favorite vocals she will not let you go keeps holding on that she little metronome will thing. Not let you go so strange keeps holding on this time I'm not coming back. She will not let you go. 
she keeps holding on to you. This time I'm not coming back. She will not let you go. Okay. This is a really good one. That piano is so fucking quiet. I made it louder and we're going to hear just the piano. in there too kind of sounds like his scoring work it's really lovely sounds weird to say that when the rest of the song is yeah I know it's not like that yeah I love this weird I think it's just a, maybe a super affected guitar. Maybe a guitar run through some kind of synth pedal. It's really hard to say. This is one of my favorite parts on the whole album and a song that is probably my least favorite song yeah, on the weird. album. It is really weird. pull out little parts like this that are amazing even if you don't like the whole it's it's strange i do love that pretty noisy thing at the end though mm-hmm. okay and then just the vocals made louder i cannot go through this again i cannot go through this again i cannot go through this again I cannot go through this again. 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 Those drones. Yeah, a very vulnerable performance of... Very honest. He always talks about honesty, and I feel mm. like that's a very... Not faked. Okay, do you want to hear my version where I fixed the beat, and you tell me if it helps you hear it better? <laughs> you can, but it doesn't mean anything. I don't have to play the whole thing. I'll, I'm probably going to... We'll just listen to the the beginning I'll put the full version of it up somewhere, probably on the Nailed YouTube channel. But it'll it'll count you off with four stick clicks. That'll okay. let you know. She just made a face. Different? better <laughs> I like it I like it better honest to God I like this better and then the vocal performance sounds so much better when you know where the beat is and the chorus even kind of makes more sense mm-hmm. 
all I did was add a standard beat where the kick is on one and three, the snare is on two and four. I added that quietly underneath the existing track, and there's a little bit of hi-hat in there, and that's all. That just kind of, for my mind, it tells me where everything is. Did it make a big difference to you? I mean, it did, but. I might have blown some minds. <laughs> and then for funsies, what would the chorus sound like without the uhs? <laughs> a lot more boring, it turns <laughs> Or just not a lot there. So yeah, two syllables, not much there, not much of a chorus, maybe. Mm -mm. Definitely a weak chorus. Yeah, so <laughs> he had to add some us in to give it more substance, but there were apparently more lyrics to the chorus. Mm -hmm. I think probably would have made it better because it would have put the, the phrase with teeth in context of like, what the hell does this mean? Yeah, maybe he didn't want it to be too obvious or maybe it... The song maybe went through many different evolutions, maybe. Yeah, Who knows? Possibly. But yeah, so in the lyric uh, poster and PDF, by the way, I wrote lyric. <laughs> I typed out lyric poser. <laughs> lyric poser. <laughs> He's such a lyric poser. Yeah. In the chorus, there is, she's holding on with teeth. Yeah. Um, That's a full thought. Yeah. And she is the greatest lie of all. That also appears in mm. the uh, lyric poster PDF. So, once again, so women it's, bad. It's Yeah, woman bad, but it's how the addiction hangs on to you. Yes. It hangs on with teeth, apparently. It gets into you, man. It's biting into you, mm -hmm. clawing into you. Gets its claws in. And it's the greatest lie of all. And also, it's a lady. <laughs> addiction is a lady. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I didn't upset anyone with my little... Well, like, it shouldn't. I think it's okay to be critical of yeah. people that you like. Like, you can still like something and be critical of it. I, oh, yeah. That's totally it's my fine. Favorite, fuck, he's my favorite musician, composer, period. But I have plenty of little nitpicks on this album, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. In fact, it's good to be critical of yeah, the things if, you consume. If you're so. just like... It, everything, everything good, nothing can be bad, then you're just the part of the fan base that people look at online and are like, oh, those people are nuts. <laughs> and I mean that for every musical artist, yes. not just Nin. You're taking the human element out of- Oh, yeah. Out of the, the creation mm -hmm. if you- think everything is perfect. And your wonderful. favorite artists yeah. make mistakes. Your favorite artists sometimes miss. They're humans. We're human. We all make they, mistakes. We we like to say he don't miss, but in a few little places, he has missed. But anyway, anyway, I hope I didn't piss anyone off. Sorry I'm if I did. This is but the, also, not sorry. The, Those no, are just not, my thoughts. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's just opinions. <laughs> yeah. And we know a lot of people love this. This one, uh, I did say this is the era where we're losing half of our listeners. <laughs> we're losing subscribers. Whenever I said you're listening wrong- 
uh, everyone a, a turned thousand off people there. just turned turned yeah. it off. They just closed their podcast app. We're like, yeah. f you, dude. But they didn't stick around to hear the part where I said I was listening wrong for so long, and I still kind of am. Yeah. I can't believe we talked so much about the song with teeth. I never thought I'd do that in my life. But I think it's good that well, we did. it's the title track. It's a big song. It is. It's we, a weird song. We had to get it all out there. Yeah. We don't have another halo to talk about. <laughs> and it's also kind of a, a thing I think that splits fans. I don't think there's like a middle ground where people are just like, yeah, I'm fine with it. I think people either love this track or hate it. I don't want to I, say I hate it because there's a like the bridge. I really love that bridge. I, think I don't it's hate it. So pretty. So maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm actually there kind are, of. There's one element I like in this song, and it's that bridge. Basically. I don't hate it, but I'm more ambivalent. I'm, or no, I'm. I have mixed feelings on it, definitely. Mm-hmm. But overall, like I said before, I if it were me, I think I would have reworked the song a little bit. <laughs> Um, made the rhythm more clear because once the, the off kilterness is cool and, and there's a cool groove to it once you're able to get it. But if no one can get it, I don't know. But clearly some, a lot of people are getting it cause they're liking it. Or they're just not know. paying attention. Like I'm just saying for me, I would have reworked it, but also there's another song on this album that is kind of very similar to it. Which I like way more. And it even has the, <laughs> it even talks about the things that she does. <laughs> um, you know, like she, she comes inside. Uh, it's the same cadence as uh, she turns me on. She makes it real. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. She makes you hard. Is that in Sunspots? No, it's it's in with teeth, but I was thinking of the perfect oh, drag yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. She makes so I, right. She makes me hard when when I'm uh-huh. all soft inside. She makes you hard. She makes me hard. Anyway, <laughs> when I'm all, I see the truth when I'm all stupid eyed. <laughs> So that is it. That's we got through with Keith. Baby, we did I it. I made it. I made it through. Um, I do want to say I don't dislike this song as much as I used to when I first heard it in 2005. Yeah. It's definitely been a slow, slow grower. <laughs> um, grower, not a shower. But it's still probably my least favorite track on this album. I'm trying to think, is it my least favorite? God, it might be. <laughs> You know what we've never done? We've never done like a ranking episode. I'm not a big ranker. I'm not a big ranker. I know you're not. I think it might be fun though. I think ranking's overdone, but some people are nuts for the ranking. They Mm -hmm. love it. I find it hard to rank a lot of things. Sometimes I do because something has to be last and sometimes it's really hard when you have a really good album to put something at the bottom. But for sure, this is at the bottom of my with teeth ranking. I think. Okay. Well, I need to, we need to get to the end of it before I decide what's at the bottom, what's at the top, because I need to revisit everything thoroughly. Yeah. Well, all I want to say is from here on out. You're a latter half stan. I am. And we've heard from a lot of these. Yes. And I think I might be too, even though there there are moments in the first half mm-hmm. that I'm really into, like the whole song Love Is Not Enough that mm-hmm. I love. The jam section at the end of All the Love in the World. Some of the best Nine Inch Nails material ever to me. 
But just that section. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's wrap this up. Yes. Uh, Do we have any new patrons? Oh, yes, we do. I think just two that I haven't read. Okay. Rob. Welcome, Rob. Hi, Rob. And our friend, Jessica. Oh, hey, Jessica. The other Jessica. Just number three. Yeah, I guess (laughs) that's an inside joke. Not that you're number three in quality or something. Look, just number two and just number three are number one in my heart. (laughs) They're all all number one. There's a lot of Jessicas. That's the thing. We're all 80s, 90s babies. So That and Jennifer, very popular names. Mm -hmm. My mom sometimes would call me Jennifer when she got mad at me. And I'm like, that's not For even real? my name. She's the one who named you. That's she shouldn't get it wrong. not close. I mean, I can understand calling me Monica, but yeah, calling Ma- me Jennifer? Moms call their kids by their siblings' names. and Sometimes, sometimes I call my littlest niece Elliot. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. That's, that's understandable. Yeah, because I'm old. And she's like, or sometimes I refer to one of their dogs as a dog that died. Oh, no. You don't want to do So that. now I just don't. Refer to their dogs at all. <laughs> it's like that one. Don't refer to them. <laughs> anyway, thank you to our new patrons. If yes. you're interested in being a patron, Blake, where what can you go? Where where can you go? What can you do? Nailedpod.com has all of our stuff, including the link to our Patreon, where you can get the nailed even deeper feed. Um, twice as many episodes. We go beyond the halos. And uh, you can get those for as low as $5 a month. You get our private listener Discord, which is very fun to be in. Mm-hmm. You get our close friends on Instagram. You get merch discounts on all merch if you're a patron. And there are different tiers with different benefits, too. And if we get to 200 patrons, I will get my... Nine Inch Nails tattoo. Right. We got to get to 200 for that, folks. I already have it planned out. I'm pretty sure I know what I want and where it's going to go. And it's going to be so cool. And it's on our butt. And it's not on my butt. <laughs> it has to be a place where I can show people. And it says, with teeth. And it's got a big <laughs> pair of teeth. No. It, no. Don't tell biting, people that. Biting the butt. Um, If you want to support us, you don't have to support us. If you can't support financially, you can do free stuff. You can go and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Hold on. I want to check something. Okay. You can uh, give us a five-star rating on Spotify as well. They have that. Thanks to those that already left really nice reviews. Mm -hmm. Some of the nicest things ever said about us. Okay. Anything else, Jess? Uh, Next bonus episode, I think we decided to do the music videos. Yeah, two videos, mm-hmm. Hand That Feeds and Only. And then what tiny little bit we know about we the might, yeah. scrapped. Every day is exactly the same. We'll talk about the never seen video. That's right. So what are we doing next time on the main feed? With Teeth Part 3. Mm-hmm. Next episode only, mm-hmm. Getting Smaller, mm-hmm. Sunspots, mm-hmm. and Home, if you have the vinyl version. Right. An important song to consider when considering the songs of this uh, era. Okay. That's all I've got, I think. That's a good place to say goodnight then. Good night. Good night, everyone. Didn't that make you feel better? <laughs>